Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Two Minute Drill. I hope everybody had a good Halloween, and we are seeing the end of the trade deadline. How's everybody doing? I'm joined by Dom and David. How's it going, guys? Doing pretty good. Pretty good after that Monday night football game. I was a, I, I, I was so surprised and happy. But let's move right into it, and let's uh, see. Well, who is your guys' Week 8 MVP? I'll let Dom start us off. I think it's a tie between two players for me. I'm going to go with PJ Walker and Jacoby Brissett. Two names that I never really thought that I'd mentioned in the weekly MVP discussion, but I was really impressed with both of their performances this past week, especially PJ Walker. Um, It's a great story coming from the XFL and now really getting his shot at the NFL. Um, I thought he played really well. And the fact that the Panthers are sticking with him the rest of the season over Baker really says a lot with, um, what they think of him. And Jacoby, you know, played amazing last night. i really impressed with how he's been this year. And I got to agree with that. I mean, the only time he's kind of even remotely been a letdown was when they had to force him into those, you have to make a last second drive down the field. But he's been way better than I gave him credit for at the beginning. Who's your MVP, David? All right. So I'm looking at Tua Tagovailoa. And considering how scary of an incident that he had, what, a couple weeks ago now? Mm-hmm. And the fact that he came back and threw for 382 yards and for three touchdowns says that he is finally ready to stay in the late league if he's healthy and is the first dominant left-handed quarterback we've had in years, if ever. I have to agree. I mean, when I saw – his original injury, I mean, I thought his season was done. So just seeing him back, what was it, maybe three weeks after that, surprising. I'm glad he's still playing really well. And I had two MVPs. Uh, the first one was Christian McCaffrey, which we're going to be talking about a little later on. So I'll leave him be. But I also had A.J. Brown, which, I mean, he did great for the Eagles, 156 yeah receiving yards and three touchdowns i mean he just dominated that game and i hate you a little bit (laughs) i hate you a little bit (laughs) you know who my uh, who's in my fantasy league man who jamar case i want to talk about it all right moving on to the next round i have uh joe burrow in mind so and the last two touchdowns he had in that game saved my win there you go. Oh, <laughs> uh, so just this I know it's off top, but the guy I was playing in fantasy this week had Joe Burrow, Boyd, Hurst, Kareem Hunt, and Nick Chubb. Hey, in uh the keeper league that we do with uh with Nick, I traded for Nick Chubb a couple weeks ago and I'm I hate it. What'd you have to give up for him? Um Christian McCaffrey and I think like a, a lower end wide receiver. And so it, it was a pretty fair trade. I, I, you know, before the, before the season, I had Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. And I've been trying to move on from both of them because I didn't know what Alvin Kamara's situation was going to be like off the field. And Christian McCaffrey, even though he was healthy, I know he's been injury. Yeah. So before the season, I moved on from Alvin Kamara. I got Javante Williams, which I thought would have been good for me beginning of the season and I'm not, not really working out for him. So I have him stashed on the bench as a keeper. And then like a week or so later, I traded for DeAndre Swift, which was working out for him at the beginning of the season, but he's been injured. And then I was like, you know what? 
I'm gonna gonna give up Christian McCaffrey here. He's doing pretty good. They actually show that he has some trade value. I'm gonna go try to get Nick Chubb. And they went for it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's been a been a pretty mutually beneficial trade, especially now that McCaffrey's on the 49ers. Yeah. And one I've made two decent trades. So one I've actually made for Ezekiel Elliott. And outside of this past week being that he was injured, he actually was doing pretty solid for me in terms of fantasy. I had Cord- Corderell Pat. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Corderell Patterson. Cordell Patterson. Uh, until he got injured, he was rocking it for me as well on the Falcons. And when he got injured, I picked up Jamal Williams as well. There you go. That's a, the only issue that I've had out of that entire trade was Nick Folk. <laughs> he literally – I'm facing the guy that I traded for or traded with for Jamal Williams – and Folk got 35 points for him as a kicker. So I had uh, issues with my running backs is, you know, injuries. So I needed a last last second one. I thought it'd be smart because, you know, J.K. Dobbins is out. And uh, so I got Drake London. I think it was what, the Ravens third string running back, London something. I forget his name. He is the week before he got 17 points. I got him. I only played him for one game, and that one game he got me half a point. So the next week I got rid of him, got Gus Edwards because he was back and playing, and he got like 17 points in that game. Of course, that week he only got like three points, and the other guy got 17 points. Yeah, it's just been an insane year for fantasy. Yeah. I think that's an understatement. (laughs) Especially for how many trades we've made in our league. Right, moving on to our next topic. What'd you guys think of the Thursday night game where the Raven Ravens beat the Buccaneers 27 to 22? I'll let David start us off. Honestly, it was a lot closer than I was expecting, considering considering the fact that Tampa Bay's really been struggling for the last several weeks now. And the fact that they can kept it even remotely close in a dynamic offense that is the Baltimore Ravens was shocking, but I'd have to give credit to Brady. He did 26 for 44, 325 yards, threw for one touchdown. Then Jackson had 27 for 38, 238 yards, and two touchdowns, which isn't terrible. And But, yeah, it's like maybe this might be the turning point for the Buccaneers because we've said it several times throughout last year, you can't really count out Brady, but at the same time, we also pointed out that he's 45. Hey, Father Time is possibly coming back up, catching back up to him. So who knows? And he's going through a lot of stuff off the field. That too. Yeah. What's your thoughts on Dom? Out of all the Thursday night games, I thought it was the best of the year. Which <laughs> not really saying much considering how bad the games have been. But I was going to say that's not saying much. Not really saying much, but it's definitely been – it was definitely the best out of all of them. You know, I've, I've been impressed with this Ravens team all year. I, I really thought that they played well. Get a little confused with the trade that they made yesterday, but that, that's a different topic. I'm really disappointed in how the Buccaneers have played this year. Uh, I think they're – in my opinion, they're one of the more disappointing teams this season. I thought they – I know they've had a lot of uh, injuries, and Tom Brady seems to be a little distracted with all the off-the-field stuff, but – they are not looking good. Leonard Fournette looks washed. Uh, Chris Godwin, I don't know what's kind of happened to him. He doesn't seem to be fully healthy or just not really uh, in, in football mode this year. Yeah, this team's not looking good. 
and I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, they just they, I, they have hit the in, injury bug this year, but I kind of feel like this team's just cursed at this point. But we're going to go back over to the college side of things with the next topic, which is I want to get your guys' opinion on non-QB players just because everybody's so focused on quarterbacks. What player in college do you see being the next NFL superstar? I'll let Don start us off. Oh, there's a couple. Um, I think out of the wide receivers, um, I'm going to go with uh, Ohio State wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba or Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, either way, you, I, I don't think you can go wrong with either of them. I think both of them are going to be stars at the NFL level. Um, and then I know he's a freshman, but uh, Jackson State cornerback Travis Hunter, I I definitely think he's got a very bright future ahead of him. You know, we'll, we'll see him in the league in probably three years, but I think he's really going to be something special when he gets in. All right, I like it. Now, what do you think, David? It's very difficult because unless you absolutely love and follow college football through and through, it's very difficult to pick out someone who could be a possible star that isn't like the immediate quarterback. And But if I had to go with someone, I'd probably have to go with the Georgia defensive tackle, Jalen Carter. His 2021 stats included 37 tackles, 17 of them being solo, and three sacks. And considering Georgia is a very defensive-heavy team, just regardless, and I think a lot of teams need a defensive lineman, like whether that is in the form of a tackle or an end. And a lot of teams do need that. I know the Browns are in need of one, so... Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. All right. So about a week ago, well, two weeks ago, we saw kind of a surprising trade where the Carolina Panthers traded their best player, Chris McCaffrey, to the 49ers, which I was kind of shocked, but I think it kind of shows that they are a little bit in the need of a rebuild. And, wow, I'm just going to say what a first game for him. I just want to get your guys' opinion. What do you think of it, David? Considering that he went for 18 carries and 94 yards and one touchdown, that is a really good, but also not surprising considering we knew that he was a very talented running back when healthy. And I think he can grow from here on out considering he's not the main focus of the offense. Right. I think what I was surprised about is that he got him the trifecta. He got a rushing touchdown, a receiving touchdown and a passing touchdown which i mean that was just impressive what'd you think of it dom i you know wow (laughs) i I think that's really all you could say i mean we all knew what christian mccaffrey was and i think his first game with the 49ers reminded us that he's still that dude and now that he's on a team like the 49ers with a coach like kyle shanahan who's a great offensive mind and he's not going to, like David said, he's not going to be the focal point of the offense. So he's going to be let loose. And I, I don't know who you're going to stop on that 49ers offense because you got, uh, you still got Debo Sam, you got Brandon Ayuk, you got, you know, George Kittle at, at tight end. And now you throw in Christian McCaffrey, who can do pretty much anything. I think this is going to be a very dangerous team. And I, I think the future is really bright for Christian McCaffrey in San Francisco. And I can't wait to see this. I think this definitely changes their outlook for the rest of the season i could see them definitely being one of those teams that goes and you know competes for the nfc championship now as i mentioned earlier we had the end of the trade deadline and we had a decent amount of action this week not you know enough that i can't talk about all of it but we're just going to talk about a couple of the trades first one up was 
the Steelers trading Chase Claypool to the Bears, and uh, the Steelers will or gate or will receive a 2023 second round pick for him. Which to me, that's not a bad haul for him. What do you guys think of it? I'll let Dom start us off. I thought it was a good trade for for both sides. I think you know Chase Claypool's time in Pittsburgh was clearly over. You know him being towards the end of his contract. I don't think that he was really a high priority for for Pittsburgh to sign, considering they have Deontay Johnson. I think George Pickens kind of really took uh, Claypool's spot. To them, he was pretty replaceable. But for the Bears, they they actually get a pretty decent target for Justin Fields. This, this whole team, the Bears really have lacked an offensive playmaker besides Fields and and maybe Herbert, who's kind of emerged this year. But now he actually has a legit wide receiver to throw to, and I, I think it's good that they're finally starting to build and put weapons around Justin. And I couldn't agree with you more, because, I mean, Clay, or, uh, Claypool really has just kind of been ignored most of the season. I know the Steelers is definitely more of a run-heavy offense, but I think he'll get a lot more value and use in – in uh, Chicago, what do you think of it, David? I think that a it wasn't surprising uh, to some degree that they traded him. We heck, we even called it in the last episode that we did. I think John was the one that pointed it out. And like Dom said, they were they finally put playmakers around Justin Fields, but I don't know how well he'll do considering the Bears' offensive line still needs a little bit of help in the depth department. And so not everyone can be the Cincinnati Bengals who can go to the Super Bowl with an absolutely trash offensive line. So I'll wait and see how well he does depending on the offensive line. And I am still baffled on how the Bengals managed to do that. That's going to bug me for a long time. All right. Next up, we got TJ Hawkinson. Next up, we have TJ Hawkinson going to the Vikings in what was a interdivisional trade. The Vikings are giving up a 2023 second and a 2024 third round, and the Lions are going to be receiving a fourth round pick in return. Want to get your guys' opinion on what do you think of this trade? I mean, you don't see that very often where teams in the same division trade. I'll let David start us off. Yes, it's unusual that teams in the same division trade to each other, but at the same time, it's a little surprising considering that the Lions definitely need more of a defensive players than offensive players. Don't get me wrong. I do appreciate that they're finally making an effort to put an offense out on the field. But at the same time, if they want to start winning, then but at the same time, try and pick up something defensively as well. And I like that kind of thing because, yeah, they do need – their defense has been abysmal. I mean, that's what's been holding them back. What would you think of it, Dom? I thought it was um, interesting. Like you said, you don't see interdivision trades too often. But I, I think it's kind of disappointing for TJ Hawkinson considering he was pretty highly regarded coming out of college. I think we all thought he'd be a little bit better. Granted, it you know may not be all his fault considering he plays for Detroit. But the offense has been very impressive this year. Um, the rest of the, the, the defense is really what's been letting the Lions down. So they, they feel that they can still move on from – from TJ, not pay him because um, I think he's got a contract that's expiring. Gives him a little bit more flexibility in the offseason. If I'm the Vikings, I like it because it gives him another weapon. I think we're seeing the end of Adam Thielen you know, be a, a legit wide receiver. Outside of Justin Jefferson, there's there's really no 
receiving threats for the um, Vikings. So I, I think this gives them another weapon, takes a little bit of the pressure off Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, and it'll, it'll open up the offense a little bit more for Dalvin Cook. I think the Vikings defense is fine. I think it's good enough to you know keep them in contention, but making the offense a little bit better, especially when you have a pretty limited quarterback like Kirk Cousins. I, I think you you build out that def- or that offense as m- mostly possible. Right, and then the third uh, one we're going to be talking about was one that gave me a little bit of a heart attack earlier in the day because when I looked at my phone, I just saw Chubb has been traded, and I thought it was a different Chubb, which would have you know made me very, very upset. We got Bradley Chubb going to the Dolphins. Broncos will be getting a 2023 first round pick and Chase Edmonds in return. What'd you guys think of this? And I know the uh, Dolphins will begin to think one or two draft picks back as well. I'll let Dom start us off. Uh, the Dolphins are going for it. They're 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 really going for it this year. Uh, we we saw how aggressive they were in the offseason with the offensive moves that they made, uh, bringing in Tyreek Hill. I think this really solidifies their defense which was already pretty decent. Their secondary is always pretty good, but really bolstering that front seven is really going to help that defense out a lot. Bradley Chubb's having a great year. I don't think it's his best year, but it's probably his second best year that he's ever had. Yeah, I, I think this is a great move for the Dolphins. And, you know, they're taking, they have an opportunity to win now. They're taking it, and I don't blame them at all. I just wish it could have happened after they play the Browns, but we can't do anything about that. What do you think about, David? It's not. It's another not surprising trade because we we kind of called it last week in the sense that let's be honest, Denver's struggling. Surprisingly, we at the beginning of this season thought that they were a quarterback away from making the playoffs and actually doing something solid this year for the first time since they had Peyton Manning lead them to the Super Bowl. What a couple of years ago now? No, that was what twenty fifteen. Okay. Then, yeah, but in almost a decade, they haven't done much. And they finally had what we thought was a decent team, and they're not. So this trade wasn't a surprise. Don't get me wrong. It's great for Miami. Like Dom said, they're finally making that push, and they're finally being relevant again for the first time in years. And we're moving on to the last one, which it seems like maybe another team that's trying to make a push, but I honestly wasn't expecting this trade, but we have uh, Calvin Rid- or Ridley going to the Jaguars for a fifth and a conditional fourth. Do you guys expect this? What do you guys think? I'll let Dom- or David start us off. Honestly, this was a bit of a surprise because Ridley was a star on that Atlanta team, and they I think that they needed a star to kind of move, move forward, but you could also make – the argument that they're trying to, in a way, reset, and maybe Ridley was that first person to go. So maybe Drake Drake London, the wide receiver, is the leader of that wide receiving court. Who knows? But good on the Jaguars, who are trying to win a Super Bowl within the next two to three years. you imagine if they did win the Super Bowl in the next two or three years? I think that's the sign of the apocalypse, and I don't want that to happen. <laughs> No, the sign of the apocalypse is the Browns winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, fair. Yeah. That's not a sign of the apocalypse. <laughs> you know how crazy Cleveland would be if they actually won the Super Bowl? I think Ohio in general would just shut down for a week or so. North of the NFL would just collapse. Cleveland would just be destroyed. <laughs> yeah. 
What are your thoughts on it, Dom? I thought it was an interesting trade considering I almost completely forgot about Calvin Ridley. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's a good trade for, for both sides. It gives Jacksonville a, a good wide receiver going into next year, um, obviously because he's suspended all of this year. It gives them a good wide receiver that can really be their number one wide receiving target. And it if you're Atlanta, you offload a contract. You, it's a guy that you don't have to sign now. And with how good wide receivers are coming out of college these days, you can easily replace Calvin Ridley. I think they'll be able to – they're going to have a, a fairly high draft pick. I think you can definitely get a very talented wide receiver in the early to mid first round where they'll probably be picking. I could definitely see that. And, uh, I mean, a lot of these uh, team or uh, trades are caused as, you know, teams are underperforming like the Broncos or, or overperforming. So I would just want to get your guys' opinion since we're about halfway through the season. What's your biggest disappointment team-wise, and what's the most surprising team to you? I'll let Dom start us off. I think there's a good number of disappointing teams. Uh, the first three that come to my mind are uh, Denver, Tampa Bay, and the Rams, um, especially the the Rams and, and Denver. Tampa, I, I feel like we thought they'd be better because they have Tom Brady, but also we know that they're an older team, and Tom Brady being 45, eventually you know, time's going to catch up with them. Um, I think that the Broncos and the Rams are the two most disappointing teams. You know, you had the Rams coming off of a Super Bowl season, re- returning pretty much the, the exact same uh, star-studded team with the, you know, obviously losing Von Miller in the offseason. But for the most part, that team is pretty much the same. And they that offense looks bad. Like, they, well, And the defense doesn't look great either, to be honest. Um, it's just completely collapsed. And I didn't really see that coming for the next couple of years. Denver, also really disappointing. I don't know if it's just Russ not being as good as maybe we thought that he was or washed or Nathaniel Hackett still learning how to be a head coach at the NFL level because this is his first season as a head coach. Um, either way, definitely thought they would have been a lot better. And I can't dis- or agree with you more on that. Uh, what's one uh, surprising team you got? Um, surprising... Probably the Seahawks, considering we thought that they'd be at the bottom of the league. I don't think um, anyone ever thought Geno Smith would have been one of the best QBs in the league this year. That defense is looking very impressive. They're just in general that that team has just been very impressive this year. And then the Eagles are another team that I'm kind of surprised by. I knew that they would be contending for the top of the division, definitely a playoff contender, but they look like the best team in football right now. And I did not expect that. I think Jalen Hurts has taken three, four steps forward this year. He's yeah, The whole team is definitely playing better than I thought that they would. And I know the next, like, four or five games for them should be pretty easy, so I think they're going to stay undefeated for a long time. All right. What's your uh, most disappointing team and most surprising team, David? For me, outside of obviously Denver, I would probably have to say the Chargers because we thought that – they would have been uh, much better than they are currently. They yes, they are on the good side of 500 at four and three, but we thought that they would be like five and two or six and one by this point, and they're just not playing up to what we thought their potential would. And then I'd say in a way, Las Vegas because I thought that they would be a little bit closer to 500 almost. I thought they'd be a lot, a lot 500. Huh? I thought they'd be a lot closer to 500. Yeah. And so there is that. 
And then for surprising, I'd have to say outside of Seattle and Philadelphia, I'd have to give it to both New York teams, the Giants and the Jets, because you've got the Giants at six and two, and you've got New York at five and three. Both are within decent decent contention of as it sits right now for first place in both leagues. And honestly, I think the Giants are like you like we said before, showing what it means to have a competent head coach with players who just needed that kind of coach. Right. And I actually got the same teams as you did, man, because definitely the Raiders are the biggest disappointment to me in the entire league. I mean, yeah, the Texans, all of them are bad teams, but we all figured they were going to be bad teams. But the Raiders, we thought would be, I think most people thought was going to be a playoff contender and they've just looked god awful. And then for the surprising team, I'm going to more point towards the Jets just because, I mean, this has been the worst team in the NFL for the last, what, decade, maybe 15 years. They've just been really bad, and they just suddenly decided to start playing good football this year, which I'm super happy for them. Yeah, this team hasn't been anywhere close to being remotely good since Mark Sanchez's first two years in the league. Oh, man, I forgot about Sanchez. It's been a long time. Oh, you can't forget about butt fumble? I know. (laughs) I can forget a little bit, but all right. Moving on to our second to last topic, which is what is the week nine game you guys are most looking forward to? Uh, What do you got, David? You know know what? I'm going to look for the New York Jets against the Buffalo Bills. That should be interesting considering it's a battle for the NFC East first place. And you could get the Jets to one step closer to the first place if they are capable of doing so. And that would be a crazy upset. What's your game, Dom? If, if you were asking me you know, earlier in the season what game this week I would have been looking forward to, I would have been looking forward to Tampa Bay and the Rams. But while both, both teams are teams that I listed as disappointments for the year, um, I'm not really excited to watch two horrible offenses go against each other. If I had to pick one, maybe Baltimore, New Orleans, or Kansas City and Tennessee. You know, it's always exciting to watch Lamar Jackson in that offense. Um, I'm intrigued to see New Orleans just because I think they're kind of at a crossroads uh, with their organization. Um, and then Kansas City, anytime you can see that offense, they're 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 must watch TV. You got to watch them. And then you know Tennessee, they're 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 a good team. Derrick Henry is you know, top five top 10 running back in football so that would be that'd be good television to watch it's fair i mean uh i my most look forward to one is the tampa bay game just because i think it's gonna be fun just to watch two teams kind of struggle to you know crap the bed against each other let's just i'd almost rather watch paint try it depends that's what what these two offenses are as long as it's not as bad as what was it two weeks ago broncos colts Oh, that – can we all forget that that game happened, please? We can't. It happened. All right, and moving on to our last topic, which is the underdog bet. What big upset do you think is going to happen? I think I know what David's going to pick, so go ahead. Let's start with David. I'm going to go with the Bills and Jets. I knew it. <laughs> and that would be a massive under – or a massive uh, – Upset. What's your uh, yours, Dom? 
I'm liking uh, Jacksonville being one and a half point underdogs to the Raiders. Both team not not really great matchup. Um, neither team is particularly good, um, but the Raiders have been particularly bad, and I they, they're one of the worst passing defenses in the league. I think you know Trevor Lawrence. He's shown flashes. You know we've seen this team play pretty well beginning of the season. I do think that they have a pretty good defense that. You know, Derek Carr is probably going to struggle with because he that whole offense has struggled against really any defense. So the fact that Jacksonville is only one and a half point underdog, I I like my odds with that. And uh, I'm going to pick Saints upsetting the Ravens. I don't know why. It's just that Saints team one week will be awful or at least struggle, and then the next week seem like one of the best teams in the league. So I'm hoping they have one of those weeks and give Baltimore a L. That'd be nice. It, I think it, it really depends on, well, one, obviously their defense has been hit and miss, but if they can get Michael Thomas back and get some consistency out of that offense, and who knows, maybe uh, Taysom Hill goes off for another ridiculous. Yeah, I, I think this, this team will be a lot better once Michael Thomas gets back and all the receiving duties aren't just on Chris Olave. And that's what I was saying, because uh, it hasn't just been him. Uh, Jarvis Landry's been out, so I know their receiving core yeah. has been really banged up. And don't get me wrong, Chris Olave has done very well for that. Team. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, no, and it's nothing against Chris Olave. It's just it's hard to be productive when you're the only wide receiving target. You're it. It's easy to cover. You can just double cover the guy and keep a, a safety over to his side of the field and completely take him out of the game. And <clears throat> I don't care. Jerry Rice can't even you know, would struggle with triple or quadruple coverage. Very true. I feel like that's kind of like what's happening with the Rams is just they like to throw it to Cooper Cup. That's all that they do, really. And so at a certain point, if you just put enough people with, uh, on him, it really causes that Rams offense to just grind to a halt. All right. Well, this has been week eight. We're heading into week nine. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good night. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Two Minute Drill. And make sure to follow the show on Instagram at Two Minute Drill Podcast, D-D-S. Don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. Also, comment on all our posts and episodes. We would love to hear what you think about the show and what we talk about each week. And as always, Two Minute Drill listeners, until next time.